Hey folks, welcome to another edition of Dog Walk Talk. I'm your host, Jake Roos. And with me as always, well, not as frequently always these days, but glad to have him back this time as Palmer Toms. PT, what's good, brother? Doing well, doing well. I had a uh, frequent listener say, man, you've gotten a little harsh on me in in some of these openings recently. So good to be back here and and be able to stand up for myself now. Yeah, yeah. you got to defend your honor, man. We got to we 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 uh, we only make fun of you when you're not around. So that's 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 what that's what that's what good friends do. Right. But hey, Uh, but hey, I mean, I mean, you were complimenting Chad and and, you know, understandably so. Hey, hard not to compliment that guy. He, he, he busts his ass, does a great job for us over at On3, and uh, especially helps out Dogs HQ a lot. He's tied in as well as anybody in the country when it comes to recruiting news, especially that around Georgia. Um, one, of, one of many, many reasons why this is the best time to you know, subscribe to Dogs HQ. Hey, look at the kid. He's, he's, he's learning into pitch. I like it. It's uh yeah, it's a buck right now. Uh, depending on when you hear this, um, this is being recorded, uh, uh, Wednesday, October 27th. Uh, you have until currently, I think Friday, the 29th, uh, but we may extend it a little bit. So just get over to dogs HQ and check it out. We got plenty of stuff for you to check out, uh, some great film breakdown pieces, uh, from John Richt. Uh, those have been killing lately and, um, just having some fun over on the board, writing some stories. I mean, it's a good time. And like I tell people, man, it's an opportunity for people to get in on the ground floor or something and build the community the way that they want it. You know, I think that that's the big thing. You can create something fresh and, uh, kind of shape it how you see fit. So that's what makes it exciting to me. What Georgia fans are most excited about though right now is the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Yes, I still call it that. And yes, I will go to my grave calling it that because that's the coolest name for a neutral site game in America. Uh, Georgia versus Florida in Jacksonville this weekend. Should be a wild one. Uh, Halloween weekend in Jacksonville. I mean, uh, last time I was there for a Halloween game, uh, the the uh, the talent was strong, not only on the field, but uh, in the streets as well. So, uh, you know, it's going to be a, a big one. And, and, you know, this is a different look Florida team, I think, than what Georgia's faced the last couple of years. Frankly, kind of down right now, I, I think it's fair to say. Three losses on the season. I mean, uh, just an unexpected situation for Florida. Their playoff hopes dashed already. In my mind, this is their Super Bowl, man. This is their national championship. If they could knock off the number one team and it be Georgia, that would really, really probably uh, save a lot of Gator hearts. What do you think on that one, Paul? Yeah, I mean, you, you said it as best as anyone can. That This Florida team is a little bit down. Uh, the last three times these two teams have matched up, it's been a top 10 matchup. And, and the East has been kind of on the line, uh, at, at least control of the East. Um, sure. and, and that is not the case at all on Saturday. Uh, Georgia has a chance to clinch the East on Saturday, if, if my math is correct. And, and don't, don't quote me on that because I'm a journalism major here. But I think if, if Georgia can pull off a win over Florida and Mississippi State upsets Kentucky in the 7 o'clock time slot – the, the Bulldogs would have clinched the East uh, with only two SEC games remaining and a, uh, you know, Kentucky having two SEC losses and Georgia having the head to head over them. Uh, so if my math is correct there, Georgia has a chance to clinch the East, but Florida is, is far out of that talk conversation. Um, 
the, the big conversation with the Gators this week, and, and quite frankly, the Bulldogs, too, has been the quarterbacks. Uh, in, in Gainesville, it's, it's the question of Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson. Jones has started all seven games for the Gators so far this season. Richardson has finished out several of those games that, that Jones has started. Uh, and, and most recently, the uh, you know, near comeback against LSU, they had to put Richardson in to have any chance of, of beating the Tigers, which they didn't do. Um, and, and so, you know, to me, looking at, at a little bit of film of Florida and talking to people, doing my research on the Gators, to me, the more explosive of, of the two quarterbacks is Anthony Richardson. He, he's able to press the ball downfield uh, more so than Emory Jones. Emory Jones is probably more of a runner than he is a, a, a thrower. Uh, and, and, you know, when, when teams have been able to take away that running threat from Jones, he's been forced to throw and, and it hasn't gone well. I mean, Florida leads as, as a team, Florida leads the SEC in interceptions thrown. Now, whether that's all Jones or all Richardson, it's a combination of the two. But when you're able to take away that running element from both these guys, I mean, they are one and two on the team in rushing. Um, when you're able to take away that rushing element from these guys uh, and, and, and put some pressure on them to make plays with their arm, uh, it, 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 things haven't gone necessarily as well for Florida. So to me, it, it, the conversation about Florida starts there uh, and, and, you know, it's going to be interesting to see who they end up starting on Saturday. My guess is that they go with Emory Jones um, just because that's kind of been Dan Mullen's ride or, guy, ride or die guy. Um, it, it was the first quarterback he signed at Florida. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a coach that prides himself on his quarterbacks. When, you know, going back to his history as an offensive coordinator and, and a head coach at Mississippi State. Uh, and, and so, to me, I think Emory Jones is the guy that's going to start. I think Anthony Richardson is the guy that's going to finish this game. Uh, and, and, and you've seen Dan Mullen want to get Emory Jones in these games in the past, uh, you know, even when they had Felipe Franks, when they had Kyle Trask, Emory Jones was still a part of the game plan. And, and I think he's going to be a part of this game plan on Saturday. Now, whether he is the, the you know, bigger part of the game plan, I, I don't know. I think that that's probably going to be Anthony Richardson. I think that they're probably going to have a short leash with Emory Jones. But my guess is that he does get the start, his eighth consecutive. Uh, actually, would be his ninth consecutive. I believe he started the Cotton Bowl last year against Oklahoma. Uh, but his eighth, his eighth consecutive this season. Yeah, I don't know on that situation, man. I tend to lean toward Richardson getting the start personally, just because I think that he gives them the best chance to win. And I think that they're going to, I think that Florida's in a situation where, like you said, you are going to see both guys. I don't think who starts really matters. I think that they're going to play hot hand really with it and see who's the guy who can kind of get some momentum rolling. In my opinion, that's going to be Richardson. If there's a if there's an area where it feels like you can attack this Georgia team, to me, it's the secondary. Uh, you know, I think that those guys, like the, those corners, have done a great job. They're grading out on PFF fantastically. But the fact of the matter is you got a much better chance taking on guys in the deep field than you do this front seven. And, and I think that, you know, they've got playmakers there at Florida. Uh, Richardson's got a live arm, man. He can get out there and spin it and chuck it downfield. I, I think that that's what makes the most sense. I, I don't see, I think you saw with Bo Nix, for example, you know, what rushing as a quarterback was going to do for you. I and mean, it wasn't much. I mean, these guys are, 
pretty much built to stop that run. And uh, they, they, they maintain great gap discipline, uh, stay in and hoe their row, and, and uh, they just don't get distracted a lot. And so Georgia is lethal for that reason. I think Richardson, the guy for that reason. On the flip side of that, though, Georgia – Coming into this one, what what would what would a what would a Georgia Florida game be without a little bit of quarterback controversy for the Bulldogs, man? I mean, year in and year out, it seems like we got a little little something going on in there. Um, JT Daniel back, um, perceivably healthy by all accounts uh, from Kirby Smart this week. Uh, said he didn't look to have any limitations or anything like that. Now it becomes the mm, arrival of the well of the uh, of the moment that we've talked about now for a couple of weeks, which was what will happen when JT Daniels is healthy. Stetson Bennett has played really admirably in his absence. I mean, has really done a great job for Georgia. Played efficiently, carried them through some games. I tend to think that this is a situation where it will be like Florida. I, I think that it will be a kind of a hot hand. I think it's going to be the guy who gets the momentum. I think Georgia's probably scripted it in to have a couple series for each guy to begin. Palmer, who do you think uh, kind of who do you? Well, I'll, I'll, I won't even say probably. Who do you think gets the most uh, the most work under center for the Bulldogs on Saturday? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly an interesting, uh, you know, situation and, and the question that everyone wants answered like Florida's situation. I don't think that we're going to get an answer to this until Saturday. Sure. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I I'm going to give credit to one of my good friends, Connor Haverman here, who I told him you subscribe to the site and, and I'll give you a shout out on the show. <laughs> uh, he gave me this idea and, and, and made this comparison here. Uh, this situation is, is sort of similar to what Georgia faced in 2017 that you have a guy that you come into the season expecting as to be the starter. He gets hurt and, and you turn things over to, uh, you know, the guy that you expected to be your backup. Now, Jake Fromm in 2017 leads them, you know, in, in some big games, some big wins. Once Eason was healthy, they ended up rolling with Fromm because he had built, he had, he had gotten the team behind him. Yep. And it feels like it's a very similar situation here. You, you expected JT Daniels to be the guy. And, you know, I, obviously after that first game, he, he ends up missing one, coming back for two and then missing three. Um, but, you know, in, in that time that he's been on the sidelines, you've had Stetson Bennett take this team, you know, by the horns. I mean, they absolutely play you know, it's fully expecting that they can and will win with sets and been at quarterback. And so I think it's incredibly hard to take that away from Stetson, take this team away from Stetson. Now, if I'm the coach, I do it. I, I turn it back over to JT Daniels because I think this offense is capable of so much more with JT Daniels at the quarterback position. I think in turn, you've seen it. He averages over 250 yards per game uh, in the seven games that he started at Georgia. Georgia's been able to get the ball downfield to, you know, and and make the most of these wide receivers that they have recruited over the last several years, whether it's Jermaine Burton, Marcus Rosamy, you know, George Pickens when he was in there. Uh, you know, and, and other guys, you know, Kyrus Jackson has been a part of that. Uh, Arian Smith, again, when he's been healthy, uh, A.D. Mitchell, Lad McConkey, you know, guys like that have been a part of 
you know, you're able to see their full skill set with, with JT Daniels at the quarterback position because they're able to extend the field so much. Now, that's not to say that Stetson Bennett can't get the ball downfield, but I don't think that that's his MO. I think his MO is, is more these short passes across the middle, you know, not necessarily wanting to work the ball to the outside uh, and, 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 you know, moving the chains, being able to make plays with his legs, extend plays, roll out of the pocket, uh, you know, make, make the throw on the run. That's not JT Daniels MO. His is more stand in the pocket and get the ball downfield. Now, which do I think is a better recipe for Georgia on offense? I think it's probably that ability to work the ball down the field because you, you know what you've got in the run game with Georgia, you know, you're going to be able to work off of that run game with the play action. And, and so when, when you've got a run game, like, like the Bulldogs do, and you're able to get teams coming downhill, trying to stop you at the line of scrimmage, well, that means that you've got guys that can probably run past these defensive backs and get into that, you know, second, third level of the defense and and make some plays downfield, you know, create some separation. And so to me, that that skill set suits JT Daniels a lot better than it does Stetson Bennett. Again, not saying that Bennett can't do it. I just think that Daniels is a little bit better at it. And so to me, I, I think having seen what we saw at practice on Monday, uh, you know, both quarterbacks were working. So JT Daniels was the first quarterback up in the line to, you know, granted they were working on handoffs, but he was the first quarterback followed by Stetson Bennett, followed by Carson Beck, followed by Brock Vandergriff. To me, that's your quarterback depth chart that you're going to see, because I, I, I don't necessarily see a reason to, uh, you know, try and, and, and you know, I, to me, I feel like anytime I've seen Georgia do something like that in terms of the, go through these drills, whether it was, you know, the quarterbacks in the center snapping pregame, you've always seen you've seen consistency in what Georgia does. You see that first quarterback working with that first center. He's the first guy to make the throws. He's the guy to lead them out of the tunnel. And, and, and Monday at practice, that appeared to be JT Daniels. So my guess is that JT Daniels gets the start on Saturday. Now, like you said, I do think that Stetson Bennett is going to be ready to play. Uh, I, I think that that's, again, that's that's what he's been built on. That's how he's gotten his opportunities in, in being ready to play. I think if you were to, uh, you know, have JT healthy and start Stetson, I don't know what JT's mind would be like there. But you know what you've got in, in the mindset of Stetson Bennett when you turn, you know, hand the keys over to someone else he's still ready to play. And, 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 you know, I I think that he's got that backup quarterback gunslinger mentality that, that, you know, has helped him so much in some of these games that he started. It can also help him if he has to come into a game like he did against Arkansas, like he, you know, like he did midweek in that UAB week, he's able to step in when his name is called and, and make plays. So, I, I, I think I'm with you there. I think you're probably going to see both these quarterbacks ready to play on Saturday. Um, I think Daniels gets the start, and it may be a situation like we saw against uh, South Carolina where they go 2-1-2-1. Two, one, two, one. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, to me, I'd, I would rather see, you know, if I'm a Georgia fan, if I'm a Georgia coach, whatever, I would rather try and let JT Daniels get back in a rhythm because he's missed so much time. I don't know that you want to have him on the field, off the field, on the field, off the field. Let him, you know, feel comfortable, work through some of these, you know, not necessarily growing pains, but knock off the rust a little bit. I think that's a really dangerous proposition, though, because you've got a guy who's not got rust. I mean, you got a guy who there's there's not necessarily. So then are you starting Stetson Bennett? 
I don't know, man. That's a tough call, dude. That really is. I mean, it's, I, I, I don't know that I, I kind of maintain what I said earlier. It doesn't really matter to me who starts this game. I think that it's going to be the guy who gets in there. And if you can create a quick touchdown strike right off the bat, I think maybe then the whole rotation series kind of falls to the wayside a little bit. Now, if you're, you know, you know, kind of uh, having a punt or, uh, you know, kicking it out of bounds or kicking or, uh, or having to, uh, you know, work a lot of third downs and, and not able to convert and you're, you're turning it back over to them. Yeah. Then I think that the rotation makes a lot of sense, but if there's a guy who's able to get out there and get this thing going quick, why not stick with that? I don't, I, I don't see any reason to, uh, as you were saying, like that, to me, that's just messing with chemistry. And if, if you feel like you've got the juju going, roll with it, man. Um, I, I think that Georgia has done a good job of that all year. In fact, and they've got some great chemistry on this team. I think that's pretty clear to anybody who's watched them, but um, you know, I think that I tend to think Stetson will get the majority of the work on Saturday. I do um, just because I think, for the reason I just mentioned, I, I, there's just not a, there's no rust to knock off. There's no creating anything. It's, it's all in place. Now, do I think JT Daniels is perhaps the better and more talented option? Yes, I do. I do. But I don't know that at this point, uh, I don't know that at this point you can mess with what Stetson's got going on, man. And, and he's got it going pretty well. And, and I mean, he did last year as well. I mean, we look back to that Alabama game, the first half wasn't getting a lot of help from, you know, his defense on in that one. So, I mean, you had him up 14 0 against Florida. Uh, that's what I'm saying, man. I mean, it, yeah, that's a, a, a great point as well. So, I don't know. I, I, I tend to think he gets the majority of the work this week. And it's going, I think it's just a question we're going to have to deal with every week for the rest of this season, which. So, Jake, if, if you're putting money on the line here, who's getting to start on Saturday? I think I'll, I'll go with JT Daniels. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Stetson gets to start on Saturday. Uh, I, I think it's like we've got ourselves a friendly wager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I personally, I think that he's earned the start on Saturday. I think that he's earned the start Saturday. I think that he's earned it from what he's done this season. I think he's probably earned it from his performance against Florida last year and what he was able to help him do. Um, and like I said, I think it's going to be a rotational thing. So, it, so, me, so, 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 another question here: if if, like you say, Stetson has earned it and, and he gets that start and, and, you know, he's not knocking off the rust like JT Daniels would be. Are you just waiting to see, you know, are, are you pulling the rug out from underneath him as soon as something goes wrong and, and turn it over to, to JT Daniels? Is that how JT Daniels gets on the field or is it a rotation of two, one Stetson Bennett with the two and, and JT with the one? I think, I think that the situation comes down to, how does it play out? Like I said, if you've got that fast, hot start, I don't think you mess with whoever's in charge. I, I think you let that guy roll. Do I think that if he makes a mistake, that he gets the rug pulled out from under him? No, not necessarily either. But I do think that creates the scenario where suddenly they say, oh, look, we've game planned for the rotation all week. We Now we're doing it. We're going to do it. So it's it's a way to kind of offset, that, I guess, that that notion of like, hey, you're, you're screwing up and uh, we're, we're kind of, you know, giving you the old hook here. But so, so it. If let's say let's say Stetson does get the start and yeah. and he you know they roll with him and and it's you know they're not gonna you know pull the rug out from underneath him if if things go a little bit wrong. How many, you know, how how much does Georgia have to be down by to to see 
you know, the backup quarterback come in, just like Stetson did against Arkansas. And, and I can't remember exactly how many they were down by against the Razorbacks last season. You know, how, 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 you know, what does it have to look like for JT Daniels to come into this game? If, if, if Stetson does get the start, which again, I, I think J, the JT gets the start. Yeah. 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 No, I think that it probably kind of looks like, um, I don't know. The opportunity to me feels like it's um, like I said, man, it, it's, to me, the idea of the hot hand is just what you got to go with. That's it. I mean, that's got that's what it's got to all boil down to. I think that that's probably what it'll boil down to on who gets the start is who was hot in practice this week. Um, I, I think both guys. I mean, I, this is not a situation where I think one guy has an upper hand. I, I think that it's neck. It truly is neck and neck. And for that reason, we're going to be dealing with this question for the rest of the season, in my opinion. I think that it's going to come down to how, how a guy practices. Yes, game performance will be huge, but I think that Kirby Smart is being genuine when he says that he trusts both of these guys. And I think he's rightfully, I think he's right to say that. I mean, there's reasons to put trust in both of these guys. Both of them have done good things for you. So, um, not necessarily, I, I don't think, like I said, I, I just don't think it's a huge concern. I think we'll see both guys at some point on Saturday. Um, yeah. I, did yeah, well, I mean, we, we could talk quarterbacks for days. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, another thing that, that Kirby did bring up, and, and you know, like you said, a lot of this is going to be, you know, in, in your opinion, a lot of this is going to be based on how they practice. That's, that's exactly what Kirby Smart has said throughout yep. the week. I, and so, I believe him. I, I think, I think that that's, I think that it would be disingenuous for him to not roll with that because the guys on that field know the same thing. They know that they know who's performing better and it would go against what Kirby's philosophy has been, which is best man plays. And if you change that with one position, suddenly you're going to have people looking around saying, all right, well, what about this guy now? Is he, you know, are, are we starting to play favorites or are we rolling with the truly best option? You know, the guy, well, and, who, and, and the I mean, guy who performed. And I mean, I saw that out there at practice on, on Monday when we were out there, uh, you know, looking at the wide receivers where Georgia could get some guys back. You saw Jermaine Burton running with the twos and, and, you know, initially that's, that's shocking. And you're like, well, why is he running with the twos? Well, Lad McConkey has done nothing to give him his spot back. No doubt. Uh, and so, you know, you, you are seeing that there, the, the best man plays, you know, it's, it's based on performance, not, you know, rankings or, you know, what you did for me last year. It's based on what you're doing for me this week, you know, today in practice, this past week in practice, what you're doing for me now. Uh, and, and so, you know, you've seen Lad McConkey step up, uh, you know, Karis Jackson is in that first group. Uh, Ad Mitchell, you know that that's probably not the first group that you would have expected to see. Uh, in, <laughs> I don't think know, anybody went into this year anticipating that that rotation would be like heavily leaned upon. And not at all. Not at all. Me Meanwhile, you've got guys that are working their way back, and and the Kirby Smart seems hopeful that they will get back this week. Jermaine Burton, Marcus Rosamy, Arian Smith, three guys that that you know you probably expected to be contributors coming into this season that are you know. Granted, they've been banged up and that they have, you know, missed some time. Uh, but you, you're seeing them on the second tier of that two deep and not the first tier like you might have expected. Yep. So, um, you know, certainly, 
an interesting, uh, you know, couple storylines to follow there between the quarterbacks, the wide receivers. I mean, you've got some running backs that you've got to look at, you know, with, with Kendall Milton going down for a couple of weeks here. Kenny McIntosh is working his way back from injury. How does Georgia work with that running back rotation? Uh, you know, is it is it going to be a two-man show between Zamir White and James Cook? Are you going to be able to get in? Uh, Kenny McIntosh is, is, you know, to me, he looked – healthy enough to go. And, and I, I, you know, from what Kirby has told us, he's feeling a lot better. Uh, you know, he had been dealing with some hamstring tightness. Um, you know, he's feeling a lot better is, is what we've heard, but, you know, come Saturday, if, if that's a little tight, are you going to try and, you know, are, are you just going to stick to two or are you going to want to rotate your running backs and, and maybe give Dejan Edwards some look? I was going to say, I don't, I don't appreciate this Dejan Edwards overlooking, man. I, I like Dejan Edwards. I think Dejan Edwards is a good player, man. I think he's, well, a- and, and, and I do too, but, it, but he, you know, you've seen Georgia with a four man rotation and he hasn't really been a part of that four man. No, yeah, that's true. That's he's true. been even when, uh, you know, and, and and then, you know, when when they were without Kenny Mack, they turned to just a three man rotation with Kendall Milton, and, and they didn't bump Dejan Edwards into that. So that's that's why I maybe overlook him a little bit. I I absolutely agree with you in the fact that he's talented enough to play uh, and, and talented enough to you know carry the balls several times and 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 be a part of that rotation if Kenny. Kenny McIntosh isn't able to go. I don't think that they're going to just go with the two man show. I, I think that you absolutely would have Dejan Edwards ready to be that third guy, ready to be that fourth guy. It, it, even if they do go with a four man rotation and, and Kenny McIntosh is ready to go. So, you know, injury concerns on offense, on defense, you're dealing with a little bit of the same, uh, you know, again, a situation where, you know, best man plays Dan Jackson was running with the first team and Chris Smith is out there healthy running with the second team. So, you know, is, is he just going to be immediately plugged back into the lineup because, you know, he's the guy that was your starter week one, or are you going to roll, roll with a guy that has been performing very well the last couple of weeks, you know, led the team in tackles at Auburn and, and, you know, had a block, you know, was part of that block punt against Arkansas and, and has done, like similar to Stetson has done nothing to hand the keys back over to Chris Smith. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I agree with that. I think that um, I, I tend to, I, I tend to think that Chris, I tend to, I tend to think Chris will get the nod personally, uh, just because just, I, I think, I think that that is a pure experience thing. And I think that that's one of those situations where on the back end back there, you got Dan Jackson and he has, he's played really well, really well. But Chris, um, the big game, in-game experience, I think, really crucial for him, uh, certainly moving forward. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about the line. Um, 14, 14 and a half, roughly, looks like what we're looking at here. It's a pretty big spread, I mean, uh, for, for this kind of rivalry game uh, at a neutral site as well. You think Georgia can cover that one? Hmm. You know, when you brought the spread up, I honestly didn't even know what it was because that, that that hasn't been something that has been a topic of conversation this week. I feel like, you know, headed into that Arkansas game, the Auburn game, the Kentucky game, it was very much a topic of conversation of, wow, Georgia is a 20 plus point favorite here in these games against top top 10, top 15 opponents. You're looking at an unranked opponent here uh, in Florida, a 14 point spread. I'll take Georgia to cover it. Um, man, are, are you giving me 14 or 14 and a half? 
I'll give you. I'll give you fourteen. I'll give you fourteen. Mm, I might push there. I might okay. Push. All right. All I right. might push on the dot actually because yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what you know where that money goes uh, over the next couple of days. If if you if it gets down to thirteen and a half. I think Georgia is absolutely covering that. I think that they do win this game and they probably win it by two touchdowns. Uh, but, you know, two can very easily turn into three, uh, can turn into two and a half, a 17 point game. Uh, you know, so I think that 14 point spread is probably pretty accurate for a game like this where you don't really know what you've gotten either team's quarterbacks. You don't know, you, you've got this neutral site, you've got a rivalry game. I think there's a lot of, different factors that, that play into both teams coming off of a bye. Uh, you know, you, you've got set a lot of different factors that play into this game that don't typically play into a game uh, that, that might, you know, if, if this game was not off of a bye or not neutral site, you would see this, uh, you know, as, as probably a little bit further of a spread. Um, so I, I think that Florida is going to put up a fight. I think that it, within a game like this, a rivalry game, you're always going to see a fight. Uh, but it's it's just a matter of who can withstand that that a little bit longer, uh, and I think Georgia is probably the team that can you know withstand you know the punches a little bit longer. I'm gonna say they don't. Uh, I just that's just my gut feeling right now. Uh, just sitting here, I, I don't know why. Uh, I just think Florida is gonna come out super motivated for this one, man. I think that they, they I mean, and if they don't. Whoo, boy, they're going to be some some hot heads in Gainesville. I know that. I mean, all you got to do is look around social media to see people are not pleased with what's going on right down there right now. I mean, you got foreign players calling out Dan Mullen. You've got uh, fans calling out Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen taking to the press and kind of, you know, making some snarky comments. I mean, it's it feels like there's a lot of tension going on there. A win well, here. And look how that played out for LSU in this game against sure. Florida. You know, with Coach O on the hot seat, they come out playing, you know, with with a little bit of fire underneath their butts and and they, you know, came out with a win. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that for Florida, like I said, this game matters so much. I do think Georgia wins, but I do think it's probably a little bit closer than that spread might indicate personally. Um, All right. Um, Let's talk a little bit about recruiting um which is something that you and i didn't even have a chance to talk about last week because we were doing our own individual shows um i had a chance to talk with chad big week for georgia as we mentioned last week on the trail uh but one guy we didn't even get to touch on uh, in in the podcast with chad was uh bear alexander and i mean what a what a get i mean uh, there's there's not much else you can say i mean this is a guy who formerly committed to georgia you felt like when once he decommitted, AM had a substantial lead there. And I even said, and I, I felt like a dummy for it, but I mean, I had to go with what I was told. Like the day before, I was doing a podcast with some guys and they said, you know, what about Bear Alexander? And I was like, man, I'm sticking AM until I hear different. And that, then, sure enough, the next day, the kid makes me look like a moron. Not the first time it's happened, not the last, it will. But it's a case where, you know, credit Georgia. And I wrote this up in a, a, a piece um, over at Dogs HQ, uh, an opinion piece that I did, basically saying like, hey, you got to give these guys a lot of credit. Because one thing I feel like Kirby Smart and the staff has done a fantastic job of is they don't let their feelings get hurt. They, they're not offended by kids who decommit. They're not offended by kids who choose another school. They're not, you know, th- there's nothing personal about any of it. Um they leave that door open. 
And it's it's always like, hey, you know, it's if you want to come home, we're always here and we'll always have a light on for you. And sure enough, I think it paid off here huge with Bear Alexander, a dominant player, a kid who can do a little bit of it all, um, you know, a a monster up the middle, um, you know, so strong, built like a cinder block. I mean, uh, can just impose his will and get out there and push the pocket around. And and in replacing Jordan Davis, you need skill like that. Now, the kid's nowhere near as big as Jordan Davis. I I mean, almost no one is. is? Right. No one on earth is. But. You know, he's a kid who um, is a, he's, he's, he's legit. The, the ranks, the rankings are legit. Uh, the hype's legit. I, I think that, um, like I said, kudos to, to Kirby and, and the staff for bringing him in. And kudos to Trey Scott, man, just out there whipping ass on the, the recruiting trail. Um, and that comes in the face of, you know, Georgia fans not real impressed with him for the first couple of years. He's really earned their, their respect now, I think, and um, uh, just another big pickup. But get over to Dogs HQ and check out. I did five next guys to watch, and there are some big names still left out there, buddy. I mean, there's some some whales that, that are still uh, uh, available and, uh, you know, decommitted and now back on the market. I mean, it's going to be a wild ride up to signing day. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you said it there that the staff doesn't get their feelings hurt and, and you know leaves that light on. It feels the same way that, that that's kind of how they got Michael Williams. That you know no he's a guy that they thought that they were going to get back in March, uh, and and then you know visits open up and he ends up committing to USC. They they kept pushing, kept pushing, and and you know played that you know hey come home, come home kind of card to it. Uh, and, and, you know, you're seeing it with other guys too, whether it's guys that are, you know, currently committed or have recently decommitted. I mean, Jaheim Singletary, Julian Humphrey are, are two guys that were committed. Georgia yep. pushed for them. And now they're both decommitted. Shamar James is another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, you've seen a lot of guys that, like you said, Georgia is, is not afraid to push for some of these guys that are committed. Uh, push for some of these guys that, that they feel like they had strong ties to and, and they just decided to go elsewhere, they're not going to shut that door completely. Uh, and, and you know, Smoke Bowie would be a one there that, that they yep. are, you know, was formally committed to Georgia, you know, now is committed elsewhere. Uh, and, and so they're, they're still pushing. They're still pushing. Uh, and, and that's, you know, that, that is what stands out to me about what Georgia has done here. Um, Aluba, another guy that was committed somewhere and, and yep. you know, Georgia doesn't flip him, but, but gets, uh, you know, gets him to decommit and, and then ends up getting the commitment there. Um, so, you know, like you said, a very impressive run for Georgia the, over the last couple of weeks on the recruiting trail. There, there was no bye week for Kirby Smart on, on in terms of recruiting there. Yeah, me, me either. <laughs> that, that sucked. <laughs> uh, I was hoping to, you know, hang back and kick my feet up. And man, it was every day. It was an onslaught. So, uh, but no, it was great over at Dogs HQ. We had you covered all the way there. Um, as we're wrapping this one up, Palmer, let's talk a little bit about Jacksonville. I know where you're going to be and what you're going to be doing. You're going to be up there on Frat Beach uh, like you do. Uh, I understand. You got the Frat Swoop ready to go already. I can see that on the pod today. But, uh, I mean, what's uh, when you go to Jacksonville, what are you doing? Where are you drinking? Where are you eating? Where are you hanging out? You know, it's interesting. I've never gone and covered this game, so I really haven't spent a ton of time in Jacksonville um, but like you said, I'll be spending my weekend 
in St. Simons before I make the trip to Jacksonville for the game Saturday. Uh, so my place, I, you know, I, I kind of, you know, leave, leave the eating up to, uh, you know, spur of the moment decisions. What, you know, what, what doesn't have a, a huge line uh, with the crowds that are coming down to that area this weekend. But I can guarantee you one thing, Brogan's is, is going to be my place to be on St. Simon's Island in terms of where I'm going to be drinking. Uh, Jake, you know, you're not making the trip uh, as far as I'm concerned. But, uh, you know, wh- where do you think you're going to be, uh, you know, taking in this game and, and you know, partaking in the fest- the world's largest outdoor outdoor cocktail party festivities? Well, hopefully I'll be able to uh, have a few cocktails myself on Saturday uh, prior to the game. I'm going to be hanging with some friends for that one. But a couple of uh, recommendations if you're down that way. Um, I would definitely recommend getting over to Two Dude Seafood. Uh, that's an old standard. Jake, I've heard Rowe. about that one. Jake Rowe and I have eaten there very uh, many, many times. He and I normally make the trip down together, and uh, that's always a lot of fun. Um, and then additionally, the other one would be Taco Lou, uh, another great spot out there. Burrito Gallery is, is a pretty outstanding little, little joint as well. Um, I wish I could remember the name of this, the last, I think it was the last time I went to Georgia, Florida, I ended up in a Jamaican restaurant that was like in, in, in the middle of a club. Um, but don't go to that spot is what I'm trying to say about that one. It was not, it was not what I, it wasn't what you wanted. So, um, but Jake, here's another important question for this weekend. While we're, while we're on the conversation of drinking and eating Halloween candy. What's uh, your favorite Halloween candy? It's uh, it's an easy one for me. I, I I'm because I'm my my favorite candy of all time is Skittles. I, I'm a I'm a wild berry Skittles guy. I like the the purple pack. So uh, always hook me up with those. But I, I'm a candy fiend. Now I'm not much of a chocolate guy. I'll tell you that. Uh, I'm a big gummy bear guy. Uh, I like sour candy a lot. Um, you know, a Jolly Rancher is pretty tasty as well. So. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, I'm not like a candy bar dude for the most part. I, I I'll, I'll mess with one here every once in a while, but, uh, what about you, Palm? What you looking for when you, uh, when you, when you clean your pumpkin out? See, I'm, I'm going to go on the opposite end of the spectrum here. I am going to go with the chocolates, the candy bars, uh, Butterfingers, uh, Butterfinger. Oh, Butterfinger. Dude, it's, you got to dig it out of your teeth, man. It's like, man, that's the best part. Or. <laughs> Man, the, the, you know, I, I just, you know, I'm making myself hungry right now as we're recording about dinner time here on, on Wednesday night. So let's let's wrap this thing up and, and I might go indulge in a in a you know, mini Kit Kat that I've got waiting for me downstairs. <laughs> he knows right where the candies are at all times, folks. Hey, everybody get out there. Enjoy the cocktail party this weekend. Uh, we'll have you fully covered at Dogs HQ. Come check us out, man. If you're not subscribed, we hope that you will be soon. Uh, come check out the special. Like I said, it's the 27th today. The special runs through the 29th. We don't know if we'll extend it. We probably will not is what it feels like at this moment. So uh, limited time offer, as they say, get in, check us out a buck for a year. Can't beat that. Worst case scenario, you hate us and you lost a dollar. So uh, you can't really complain about that. I appreciate everybody tuning in, though, to Dog Walk Talk this week. And we will see you soon. This has been Dog Walk Talk presented by Dogs HQ.
Hey, batter, batter. Are you ready to hit a home run with flavor? Step up to the plate and swing by Penn Station East Coast Subs, where every bite is a grand slam. Craving a classic Philly cheesesteak or maybe a savory chicken teriyaki? Or how about loading up on their delicious fresh-cut fries? Call it a triple play by ordering Penn Station's signature fresh-squeezed lemonade. When it comes to subs, Penn Station is the big league. Order online at penn-station.com or stop at a store near you. Penn Station East Coast Subs.